You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. have said it any better. Merry Christmas from Faith Assembly on behalf of our 212 kids. Would you give it up one more time for our young people? Great job, guys. Wonderful, wonderful job. They are looking forward to Christmas, and uh, there's no question about it that uh, Christmas is exciting, number one, because it's all about Jesus, and you got to be honest as well, it's also made exciting because you get to share it with kids. How many know that makes it rather exciting as well? Thank you so much uh, to our our children's ministry and many that you don't see here that are just serving day in and day out. They are now downstairs enjoying Miss Becky's breakfast bonanza. Uh, I should not have said that. People are now getting up to leave. If you would please be seated. There's uh, not enough for everybody. They are checking. They are checking cards at the door. You got to be. You got to be young enough. So. Uh, uh, Thank you to our, to our kids' ministry, our 212 kids, and uh, just their leadership. I can't believe we are this week uh, looking forward to, to Christmas, and uh, it comes so quick. And um, spring is coming with it, so it'll be 70 degrees on Christmas Eve. So uh, um, who goes to Florida for Christmas? I mean, why? Why? Why would you go to Florida for Christmas with the uh, weather that we're, we've been experiencing and about to experience? But uh, as we look forward to Christmas and uh, just the, uh, all the joys that surround it, we want to invite you to join our family. Come and be a part of this family uh, with us on Christmas Eve as we gather together. Uh, there's not enough room uh, for all of you to come to, to Jody and I's house, and there's not enough room for all of us to come to your house. But let's all gather here at this house. And uh, on Christmas Eve at 5 and 7 will be our, our candlelight Christmas Eve service. Invite you to come, and uh, we have two services, and uh, just come and celebrate with us as we just share that night. Uh, wrap up, everything is different, but the title of, of that night is Do You See What I See? And so uh, come and uh, be a part of that as we just look forward to the Christmas season. And then you realize this, that as soon as Christmas is over, over, there is New Year's that is right there and a great opportunity. i got to be honest, I love New Year's. I love Christmas, and Christmas is great, but I'm not one of those that when Christmas is over, it's like, oh, because I think New Year's right behind it makes it even exciting because we get to start a fresh start. And so we're going to be looking at next week, next Sunday, a week from today. Can you believe that? A week from now, we will already have gone through Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and uh, sorry, that just, that just baffles me how fast time flies. But next Sunday, we'll be having turnaround week. And uh, as we turn around to start over again with the, the new year coming, 2016, as uh, right on the, the horizon, come and join us next Sunday. You're not going to want to miss it because Sunday morning, we are going to have baptisms, we're going to have communion, and we're going to have turnaround testimonies. The whole Sunday is going to be geared around just celebrating and acknowledging what God has done. And I love turnaround because... Because not only are we turning around to start again, but that word turnaround means a favorable change. How many would say, I need a favorable change in my life? I need a favorable change, maybe in a circumstance, a situation. And we're just believing God for a favorable change, for His favor and His work to be upon our lives. And so come and be a part of that Sunday morning. We're calling it Turnaround Week. Sunday morning with our our time of uh, uh, baptisms and uh, communion and then as well, uh, testimonies. I want to mention, if you have a testimony, as you heard on the announcements, and you can even find information in the bulletin, if you have a testimony, a story of, what, of, of God turning something around in your life this past year, we want to hear that story. So send that to Lanon or to myself, and we want to hear that story just so we can celebrate with you and, and as well uh, be able to just encourage the body together of what God is doing. And so we've got some stories already that have, that have uh, just been, been given and, and just to share of God's goodness and rejoice together what the Lord has done. On Wednesday then, uh, the, the uh, Wednesday right before 
the uh, New Year, be the, the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's, we are going to be having turnaround worship. And uh, that night is a Wednesday night. Uh, there's a guest worship uh, leader coming from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's going to be with us. And uh, come and join us for a night of worship. And that whole night will just be a time of worship and a time in the presence of God and just spending time be in His presence because how many know in the presence of God is where everything gets turned around? Isn't that true? So we, were, we want to encourage you. Be a part of that as we look forward. So we got Christmas Eve coming up uh, uh, this, uh, this Thursday, 5 and 7. And then next Sunday, turnaround week. And uh, send in your testimonies. Let us know what God is doing. And then Wednesday night, a night of worship. And it is going to be a great time as we, as we celebrate Christmas and look forward to the new year together. Well, Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to look again. And uh, so you can find that in your Bible or you can read it with me on the, uh, the screen here. But why don't we stand together as we prepare our hearts for the word and a time together. We've been talking about everything being made different all because Jesus has been sent. Jesus has been sent. Now everything is different. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came and changed everything? In this scripture in Isaiah, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, but uh, I want to encourage us to read it together, and uh, here it is on the screen, and we've been looking at these titles, these names given to Jesus. Let's read this together this morning. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Read that last part again. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This morning we're going to look at the Prince of Peace. I want to share today on something that is so necessary for us to keep our sanity. And it is peace. We need the peace of God that without the peace of God we are a troubled people this morning. So we're going to talk about peace today. And how many would say you need the peace of God in your life? Is there any? I'm glad honest people are raising their hands this morning. We need the peace of God that comes from him alone. Let's pray and ask the Lord for that today. Father, thank you for your word in this time together as your people. And I ask, Lord, that your spirit would quicken our hearts, that we would, that, that we would not only hear your word, but God, allow your spirit to speak to us. So God, remove whatever distraction that might be in our hands or in our minds or around us. God, remove those things out of the way that we might be able to receive from you today, God. That your spirit would speak beyond the words that come out of my mouth. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would penetrate hearts. That you would speak to circumstances, speak to situations today. And cause there to be real life, real peace. And the hope that comes from you alone, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I want to share from the top the, the title this morning, Peace for Real. Before you're seated, find someone tell them it really does exist. It really does exist. It really does exist. You may be seated this morning. Peace for real. Peace for real. Everything in this world has a substitute. There is something that is always in place of that there is a substitute for everything around us. It's a pretend for the real thing, but it's not the real thing. It's a pretend of. It, it pretends to be, but it's not completely. We have things around us like Fago Pop. I'm okay with it, but it's not the real thing. It's Fago Pop. We have, uh, we have the Equate brand whatever. We have Sweet and Low. You've got the yellow, the pink, the blue. Pick your color. It's not the real thing. It's a substitute. We've got Tofu Turkey. It's a substitute. We got faux rugs, faux floor, faux finish, and anything with faux is not faux real. That's what that is. I can't even believe you laughed at that. That was, that was pretty pathetic. But thank you. <laughs> Everything in life has a substitute. There's something we could look at, and it becomes not just a replacement of, but it becomes something that is a mirror or, or, or not an exact, but a part of what something is for real. It's only a portion. If it's not the real, then it only does in portion what the real thing is supposed to do permanently. When it's a substitute, it only does in portion what the real thing is supposed to do permanently. You, you know what it's like when you go to school and there's a substitute teacher. Unless it's that one that's worse than the real one. I don't know how that works. But you got a substitute teacher. You realize that that substitute is only doing for a moment. It's only in a portion of what the real thing is permanently. It's only for a season, for a time. 
in our world as well, there is a peace that is from the world that is only for a moment. And it's only a peace that can do a portion of what the real peace is supposed to do permanently. It can only do a portion of what the real thing is supposed to be. And I'm not going to stand here today and say, oh, the peace that comes from this world doesn't do anything. That's not true. It can make you feel good. It can fit and, and satisfy and soothe. And it can produce, it can provide. The only problem is it's only a portion and it only lasts so long and it's only seasonal and it's only when everything is in the right place. Jesus said these words in, the, in John. He says this. He says, I give you a gift. Here's the gift that he says to us. He says, I'm giving you a gift. And the gift is this, peace of mind and heart. Somebody say, praise God. There is no greater gift that we could receive from God than the peace of mind and the peace of heart. You might say, no, Jason, the greatest thing we have is a relationship with Jesus and salvation. Absolutely, but that is connected to peace. He is our peace. He's provided that salvation. It is a peace that that we have with God that he wants our minds to be at peace, our hearts to be at peace. And here's what he says, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. If the world can't give it, The world can't take it away. There is a peace. Now listen, he doesn't say there is no peace that comes from the world. He's saying the peace I give is unlike the peace that you can find in the world. It's unlike the peace that you can have in this place, in this climate, in this timing, in this circumstance. I give a peace that cannot be taken away. And here's what he says then. So don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. We are recognizing that when we are troubled and afraid, it's because we've allowed our mind to give way to things that can trouble us and things that can cause fear in us. If we permit those things in life, if we allow those, it becomes a place where we have to allow the guard to be in place and things to be in proper order so that we don't allow the, 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 the peace that is not from God to rob us or the untroubling things of life. Jesus said, I bring you a gift. And I want you to know today, this morning, this is my prayer, that this Sunday before Christmas, some of you might need this gift, and this gift is the peace of God. To experience the peace of God that is able to keep you and able to provide for you. A pretend peace or a peace from this world, these two contrasts, something that is from the world, it it, it produces a feel-good for a moment. That when you can find peace from this world, it produces a feel-good that only lasts as long as everything is the way it's supposed to be, according to you. It only lasts as long as the world seems right, as long as everything seems to be in order, as long as everything seems to be in proper proportion and in the right place. When everybody responds the way I think they ought to respond and everything feels the way I think it ought to feel, when everything goes the way I think it ought to go, that is a peace that you might find, but it only lasts for so long because you can have peace that comes when everything is as it ought to be, but how many know it only takes one thing for something to be not like it should be? It only takes one thing to unsettle and to, and to cause a, a, a frustration or a contradiction in, in the, the peace that we might have. It's a peace from this world that's a feel-good. But then there's the peace that comes from Christ. It is peace for real. And this is a permanent solution to a constant struggle. It is a permanent solution to a constant struggle. Because the reality of, of life is this, that peace does not come naturally. If you just, and I, I've heard people say this. We just need to allow it to happen naturally, that we work this out naturally, that if we just let let everything go and it'll just naturally get better. That's not true. Things don't get better because it naturally happens. Things get better because you intentionally move forward to allow it to happen. Not to make it to happen, but allow it to happen. We're going to start off the new year, and you're going to hear us talk about that, not making, but allowing, and that's really an emphasis of where we're going in the new year. To, to give permission to God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our midst. But this, this idea of our hearts, that peace does not happen naturally. You can't just exist and allow it to get better. Any conflict that you might have, you can't just let it go and allow it to work itself out on its own. You have to intentionally, whether by action, but mostly by your mind, have your mind in the right place. Because what you think you need to fall in place and get better out there will never be in right order until you have your mind in the right place. Listen to this. Peace is not a state of affairs, but a state of mind. You might want to write that down this morning. 
Peace is not a state of affairs. It's a state of mind. You will not find peace, and if you're trying to find peace today, when your affairs are all in order, when everything is all in place, that is a peace that will only last for a moment. It's a portion of the, of the real thing. But when there is a peace that comes not from, from my affairs being in order, not the state of my affairs, but from a state of mind, it puts things in proper context. It puts things in a proper order. We realize that peace doesn't naturally happen. It's, there's, a, there's a world that we live in that conflict is always around us. I was uh, young. Uh, my sister and I made up this game, and uh, it wasn't anything so profound. It was just something that we occupied during the Christmas season when we would ride in the back of the car before we had anything that would, would occupy us with smartphones and all that stuff, you know. How did we make it? How did we live in such dark ages? How did we, how did we do that? And we would sit in the back, and in Christmas time, she would be on one side, I was on the other, and we would, we would divide sides, and we would count the Christmas lights on your side. And from the time we started the game, whoever had the most, you got a point for every property that was lit up. And if you got the most before you got home, you won. And so we would count. We made up rules. You, it couldn't be candles in the window. It had to be actual strings of lights. And it had to, it had to be, and we, would, we had the rules and everything that would happen. We were driving High Street in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and uh, we had just gone by the Utz Potato Chip Factory. I remember it in my mind. We just drove by the Utz Potato Chip Factory there on High Street in Hanover, Pennsylvania. I'm counting. All of them. The, 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 the factory is on my sister's side. So while the factory is so long, I've got residential homes all lined up. I am banking the points like crazy. And she's got a factory, and there's no Christmas spirit, but a humbug all over that factory. I mean, they put out good potato chips, but there was no Christmas spirit on that building. So I'm counting them all up. I get to the corner and I count the one. I don't know if I have one because it couldn't be a spotlight, it had to be lights. And I wasn't sure if this one would count. And so I got to the corner, and all I saw was a spotlight on the door. But then on the side of the, when we went to the corner on the other side, I saw this sign that was, was, was a decent size, but it was in red lights, and it spelled this, this phrase. It said, peace on earth. And I remember being younger and counting these up, and I thought, I got a point for that. But then I remember being distracted because I had just watched, even as a kid, the news was on in the house that day, and I heard of something that had just happened somewhere in the world. I can't tell you where. I don't remember. But I was old enough to put together at a young age, how can that say peace on earth when I even know there's a God who came to bring peace, and I just heard that there's wars, and my dad's a preacher, and my dad's a preacher. You better get right with Jesus because he's coming back today. I mean, like right this very moment right now. And dad would preach that. And so I would hear all of this, there's peace on earth. But Jesus said there's wars and rumors of war. And I remember thinking, something's wrong here. How can there be peace on earth, the prince of peace? How can there be peace when we live in such a world that has conflict, a world that has difficulty? I had to mature and grow in my, in my understanding of the things of, uh, of the Lord and realize that when he brought peace on earth, it didn't mean that it was coming on earth because in that preposition, that wording that you would use in their language, you could use on or in and it would mean the same thing. Now you and I, we use a distinction there that if something is in or on, they become different. But you could say not only peace on earth but it's peace in earth and what he's saying is that I've come to bring peace in the earth what are we made of we are made of dirt we are a piece of we're we're a pile of dirt We're, we're dirt that's we're made of we're brought out of and he said I've come that you might have peace on earth or in earth he said I've come to make good and to reconcile the dirt that's in your life does anyone have dirt on the inside of your life that seems to be a conflict that gets in the way and causes causes the worry the fear and it robs the peace that's around us we live in a world that's filled with dirt and sometimes it's our own dirt sometimes it's our own doing and sometimes it's the neighbor's dirt that just blows our way it doesn't matter whether it's dirt we've made or dirt that's come our way whatever it is we live in a world that has dirt and the dirt is conflict and we are part of that but he has come that we might have peace on earth or in earth That he's not come to set his kingdom up on this earth. The Bible says that he's coming and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. This, his kingdom, there's a prince of darkness who rules in this place. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but rulers and and, and principalities, rulers in high places. And we realize that that wrestling, but we, we know as well that this earth is going to be completely destroyed 
as the Bible says, after the return of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might be sitting here today and saying, wow, that sounds like something I just saw in the new Star Wars movie. What's going on? No, it's the reality that we serve a God who is coming not to redeem the earth, but to redeem the dirt from which we are made out of. That he's come to redeem his people, those who believe in him. That he has come, and that's, that's a, the hope that we have, that there is eternity that we can spend with Jesus Christ. But the peace that he's come to give is not a peace that is on this earth because we will always have conflict around us. Do you find that out? You can try to work out and have peace by everything going the way you want it to go. And just when you feel like everything's in place and you go, all of a sudden, something else happens. And if your peace came from the world, your peace is going to get taken by the world. But if your peace comes from him, it cannot be taken because there's a peace that becomes real and a peace that becomes so part of us. He is the Prince of Peace for this reason. Number one, he resolved the greatest conflict that we have. He wrote a peace treaty in his blood. Jesus Christ wrote a peace treaty with his blood and he reconciled God and man. We were separated from God. He brought us together and now we can go boldly into the presence of God. We now have peace with God. Aren't you thankful today that we have peace with God? He's resolved the greatest conflict. But here's what I want to hit this morning. You can have peace with God and still not have the peace of God. There's a difference between having peace with God and having the peace of God. You can be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, believing on Jesus, having your sins forgiven, and having having security in Christ. You can have eternal hope in Jesus, having peace with God, but you can also live in a tumultuous wonder and worry and not experience the peace of God. But he's come this morning that we might have peace. He's come to give us a peace and come as a gift. And he says that to us, that he's given us a gift that we can have peace. And this is my prayer today, that as we leave here this morning, that you would experience the peace of God. If you don't have peace with God, then I encourage you today to make Jesus the Lord of your life. To say to Jesus, I believe on you and what you've done on the cross. I commit my my, my life to you and I believe what you have done. You need to have peace with God. But not only is there peace with God, he wants you to experience the peace of God. The peace of God. The Bible tells us that it passes all understanding. Peace is oftentimes affected because of two conflicts, two things that reign as conflicts in our life. Number one is truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can have a concept of truth, but truth is affected because we live in a world of threats. And how many know that threats come along and the threats always come to attack? And because we live in a world, yes, we have truth, but we also have threats. And when we understand and we, when we put those in proper, proper place and we see and realize what it is, that when we have the, the right perspective, that we can receive a peace when we know that we have the truth of God that is living in us. There's a difference that when you have a peace or when you have truth, it causes you to see with wonder what God is doing. But when you feel threat, it causes you to worry about what might happen. Threats cause you to worry, but the truth of God causes you to hold on with wonder. Jordan, when she was uh, about a year and a half years old, we uh, lived in, in town. And uh, Jordan, I'd walk by the door, and she was in, in uh, one of the bedrooms. And in the bedroom, she's standing on the other side of the bed. And I can't see her completely, just the top of her head. And she's standing there, and I see her put something in her mouth. And she keeps doing this about three times. And I see her put something in her mouth. I say no. And all of a sudden, as she turns around, she does it again. And she's holding the end of a phone charger. Now, immediately, I'm like, you can't do that. What are you doing? But I knew she had done it three times at least. And so I walk up, and I'm like, what is this? So I had to do it too. I tried this thing out, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what are you doing? It explains what's wrong with Jordan to this day. I mean, she just... The phone charger on her tongue. She was about a year and a half years old. I I said, what are you doing? We unplugged the charger. I mean, that's, you know, don't do that. Please do not go home and try this, all right? Don't. We're talking a number of years ago. But I think of that today because when I saw her, I immediately saw worry, worry, worry. But isn't there something about a child that says, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. 
not wonder out of rebellion. I'm not talking about the wonder out of rebellion. Oh, I wonder what I can do about this. But the wonder out of innocence that says, I'm in the home where I belong. Dad's at home. I'm in a safe place. And if it's in my home, as the heart of a child, I'm standing there saying, what are you doing? And I wonder in my life sometimes if I'd looked at so many things around me and instead of receiving that childlike faith to say, I wonder, and allow not to be so consumed by threats, I worry. You might be here today and life for you is more defined by threats, I worry, I worry. And where is the truth that says, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder. My, my heart still believes and desires to say, God, what is it you could do? Now, I'm not at all promoting these things of, of this. I realize all that's foolishness. But when you put it in context, the heart of a child, the heart of the child that, that had a security, had a safety, had, had something about her. When I immediately look and say, worry, problem, heart of a child says, wonder what could happen. I wonder if we would begin to see life in such a way that might peace come in. Whenever we immediately don't look and identify all the threats that are outside and all the things that might go wrong, all the things that could be an issue, all the things that are piling up, but be able to hold on to the wonder to say, I'm looking forward. And having a wonder, when something is a, is a wonder, when we hold on to that, worry, of course, will rob us of the wonder. But when we, we have a mind of wonder, it's the attention of our mind to think or to speculate. Let me ask you, what do you think about the most? You cannot have peace when you think about things that are threatening. But when you think about truth, there's a wonder and a peace that it gives way to. When your mind is filled with truth or your mind is filled with threats, I've already said this, peace is not a state of affairs, but it's a state of mind. The Bible says this in Isaiah 26, verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose hearts, those thoughts, their thoughts that are fixed on you. This morning is your mind filled with the wonder of God. Or is it filled with the worry and the threats of life? Has your mind been filled with the wonder of His truth? Or is it filled with the threats of your world? Is it filled with the wonder of holding on and saying, God, you are the Prince of Peace. You're working in this circumstance and in this situation to bring about something for your glory that we can trust God. If, if it's raining, it, it, the, uh, the, the peace is not raining in our hearts, then it means other things have taken the place of peace. I hope you have peace with God. But this morning I want to encourage you to receive the peace of God. The peace of God. If you have your Bibles in Psalm chapter 4, and I want to look at this scripture this morning as we prepare to close. In, 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 uh, did I say Psalm? Yeah, I just heard myself say that, and I'm like, who is that? I don't know that person. Philippians. got a P in it. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. If you need the peace of God in your life this morning, this is my prayer. If you receive the peace of God, because if you have the peace that comes from this world, you'll always try to fix things and get things to go right. And you can only experience peace when everything seems just right. But then it only takes one thing, not being right, to rob that peace. So it's not what you can fix yourself, but when we allow ourselves to be fixed on Him. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Now, i got to stop there. We're, we're going to read more of this, but I want, you to, I want you to take inventory. So you're going to take a test this morning, okay? And we're going to take inventory of what's going on on the inside of us. He says here, rejoice. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everybody see that you're considerate in all you do. And then he ends that word with what? Remember, the Lord is coming soon. 
if you read that this morning, and when you hear the word, the Lord is coming soon, there's two ways that you can look at that. The one way that you can read the Lord is coming soon is that you feel like Paul is saying this, hey, be joyful in all things, be considerate in everything you do, and you better do that because the Lord's coming back. If you hear the Lord is coming back with a threat, it might be that you've received the peace, or made peace with God, but you've not received the peace of God. If you read the Lord's coming as being a sign of threat, if you read the Lord's coming back, well, I better get my act together because the Lord's coming back, then you are living from an aspect of threat. But if you read it this way this morning, do good, be, be not do good, but rejoice in all things and be considerate, do all this because the Lord is coming back. When I read that, not from, oh, I better because he's coming, but I read that and say, that's right, it might be hard today, but he's coming back. I've got something to look forward to. This isn't my threat of what's going to happen. This is my hope and my joy of what's going to happen. And too often in church, and even as we we experience church, we use the things of God to become threats to us. Well, you better get it together because Jesus is coming back. That's not what he meant it to be. It meant he's coming back with a, that's good. I'm looking forward. It's not what I'm threatened by. It's what I'm looking forward to. And if you're here today and you hear that Jesus is coming back, and when you hear that, it feels to you like a kick in the backside to get your act in order or to get something changed, it might be that you've received peace or have made peace with God or in a process you've made peace with God, but you've not received the peace that comes from God because you're living from threat mode and not from truth mode. You're living from from the threat of works. And here's what we do to try and get peace. If I can put the pieces together, if I can do this, and what we emphasize is what I need to do. If you read the end of that scripture, and if you hear rejoice always, and you hear be considerate in all you do, for the Lord is coming back. Here's the question. If it is joy that the Lord is coming back, then you become more truth-filled with, I can't wait to do that. But if you're threatened by the Lord coming back, then you become obligated to, oh, I better do that. It becomes more of an obligation and we become more works-based than we are faith-based. We're more, when we hear threats around us, we're more emphasizing the works. We're looking at what I need to do. And so here's the inventory. If you feel threat in those things, it might parallel and draw a line through that even in your life, you're trying to find peace by working for it. You're trying to get peace by working out all the right pieces. If you can do this, then this will happen. If you do this, then maybe this will take place. And you're trying to move everything about so that you can feel peace. If I get the right amount of money, if I get the right amount of things, if I say the right words, if I do the right stuff, you might be in a relationship trying to work it out and trying to receive and you're doing everything you can to try and do to the point to get something in return. And it feels like work because you can never do that. It needs to come not from an obligation to get something, not from a threat, but from a place of acknowledging that what truth is, that you're desiring those things that are from God and not working to get what God wants to give you. Because how many know we could never earn the good stuff that God wants to give us? You can't earn the peace that comes from God. You can't work for it. It's not a threat. And if you see life more as a threat, then you will have worry which will keep robbing your peace. But if you hold on to the truth of what God's word is, whatever seems to be in the moment I said peace, when we started talking about peace, there's probably every single one of us in here have said, yep, I agree with that, I need that. And here's the reason why I don't have it. How many would be honest this morning and would say, yep, I already drew a connection to what's robbing my peace? It's a relationship, it's a circumstance, it's a situation. Yep, I know that. I know that he's come to give me peace, but as I have that peace, I immediately connect it to what's stopping that peace. And I've allowed that thing that's stopping my peace to be the threat. And I'm losing sight that he is the truth. I'm giving more power to the threat than I am to the one who spoke the truth. But here's the difficult thing. Because it's not, I don't know if it's just a guy thing or if ladies, you can relate to this. But whenever I feel like things aren't in place and ah, oh, it's not the way I want it to feel. I know we don't live by feelings, but let's all be real. Don't you know that 
There are times when it feels like Christmas, and then there are times, even though it is Christmas, it doesn't feel like Christmas. How many know what I'm talking about? We're affected by feelings. There's no way to get around that. I just said to someone this morning, I said, it's just one of those things where I know it's Christmas, but it doesn't feel like Christmas. And, and that's not so much a problem. It's just life sometimes. Life happens. Don't, don't worry. I'm not like in depression or anything. It's just that I don't understand it. There's still the joy of doing what we do. And, but immediately when I feel like, man, that feeling's not there. Do you know what I go to? What can I do to make that feeling happen? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Except when I try to make something happen, I'm only looking for something that can fill the void for as long as that something is there. Right? The difficult thing with me is when something feels like it needs fixed, I try and calculate, measure, figure it out. I don't know if that's just a guy thing. I think it's a people thing. That we feel all out of balance, feel like, oh, something's not right. Something's not right. And when something's not right, we try to fix it. We, we, try to, we try to do this or we try to do that. And all the while, we're trying to fix what seems wrong. But I can't fix it. I can only do what the Word says. And, and let, me, let me read on with this and close this morning. He says, the Lord is coming soon. We stopped right there at the first one. I hope that's not a threat to you. I hope that's a joy. It's a joy that he's coming soon. Listen to what he says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can comprehend or understand. I love an, another translation says that is a, a peace beyond understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a government word. Notice he is the prince of peace. He's setting guard over your heart that when you allow him, you give permission to him. The only thing that can take him off the throne is your worry. But when you allow wonder, wonder gives way to worship. And how many know that he inhabits the praises of his people? Worship invites God. When you allow yourself to be filled with wonder, it becomes a worship that creates a place and says, hey, Prince of Peace, you can reign here. But when worry comes in, worry goes to the place of, oh, what do I need to do to fix this? How do I fix how I'm feeling? How do I fix this situation? What do I do to work this out? And when we do that, we take him, the Prince of Peace, off the throne. You can't have peace unless the Prince of Peace is guarding. He guards you. He guards you. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Paul was a preacher because he says, let me say one more thing. And then he goes on with like 13 more verses. So I can relate to that. He says, let me say one more thing about this letter before I close. Listen, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. And listen, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. I want to remind you today that his name is still called Emmanuel. What is that? God with us. The God of peace will be with you. I hope you've received or you have peace with God, but my prayer today is that you leave here having peace the peace of God, that the peace of God would keep your heart, would keep your mind, would cause you to be at rest. Here's what he says. He says, don't worry about anything. When you worry, you give permission to yourself to try and fix it. But when you don't worry, you hold on to the wonder and worship becomes in place. And you say, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to let you take control of this. And the hard part of it is I can't do anything to fix it. I love being the guy who says, well, if I do this, then this will work. Do you know how hard it is for a guy who's a dreamer and a planner and loves to put things together? That when I look at my life and I say, God, I want you to do great things. And he says, well, this is the part where you put down the pencil and I take over. I know that. 
but I want to calculate it. I want to know how long. I want to know how far. I want to, I want to be able to make sense of it because that would make me feel better. And then he says to me, oh, the peace I want to do in your heart isn't connected to how you feel. It's connected to how you allow me to overtake and to take control because peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, on and on and on. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, it means it's not a fruit of my hands or my labor. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, I can't figure it out. I can't manipulate it and make it work. And ooh, I'm going to get peace today because if I do these things and I do this, I do that. Sometimes peace is only found when I do this. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes it's with the... It's in the moment of just saying, okay, God, be the Prince of Peace. And that's hard for someone like me who likes to talk a lot, who likes to figure things out, who likes to work it out. I've got to say, no, he's my peace. Because I, I can't worry about it. I've got to give him permission. He says, pray about everything. Notice once again, when you go to pray, it means you're saying, okay, God, this is yours. I'm giving this to you. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything and thank him for what he has done. When I begin to thank him and have that heart, that's where peace comes. When I begin to say to God, God, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm going to turn it over to you. And I'm going to thank you for what you've already done. That worship, there's a peace of God. Listen, my circumstance might not change, but man, the presence of God will change everything. Peace will come. Peace is affected by the way that we think. And this morning as we close today, you saw me look at my watch. I don't mean anything. Sit down. No one got up. No, everybody's like, who did that? What? The peace of God. We need the peace of God. Have you ever had someone come to you and say these words? I don't want you to worry, but I don't want to alarm you, but I don't want to upset you, but how many have ever had a conversation that started out with that? Some of you need to get real friends. I don't know however you look at that, but someone might come to you today and say, I don't want to alarm you, but that usually means whatever's about to come after the but is something I have reason to be alarmed over. Let's just be real, right? I have reason to be alarmed. If you're going to bring that up and you're going to tell me I don't want to alarm you, concern you, overwhelm you, whatever it might be, I don't want to, it might mean that I have reason to. But I want you to realize today every single one of us in this room have reason for our peace to be robbed. There's not one person here today that has everything matched up and lined up and everything's going so right for you and everything's going so perfect, everything's going so well. There's nothing in life and not one person who has it all figured out. Even the disciples themselves are preaching the gospel, healing the sick, and all the while they're in prison. Do you think that Paul could have had at one moment here saying, you know what, I really believe this Jesus thing, that he's able to set captives free, that he, I'm reading out of Isaiah, I'm doing all this, and I'm here in prison? I guess he had a peace that didn't come from the earth. He had a peace that came from somewhere that the earth could not take away. He had a peace about him in the midst of that circumstance. If someone says, I don't want you to be alarmed, it means you have reason. But here's what I ask us today. You might have reason to worry but do you need to worry? You might have reason to worry, but do you need to worry? And the moment you justify and say, yes, I do have need to worry. I need to worry because the moment you filled in the need that you have to worry is the moment you said, my need is so much that he's not able to meet that need. The moment you say, yes, I have to worry. When I say to you, you might have reason to worry. Your marriage, your finances, your health, whatever circumstance, whatever it might be, you have reason to worry. You might have reason to worry, but do you need to worry? Ooh. How many know this gets real now whenever I have to ask myself and say, yeah, do I need to? No? Because he is the God who shall supply all of my needs. Only when I have that state of mind can I really be in a place of peace. That's the peace of God. How many need the peace of God this morning? That when circumstances, situations, I need the peace of God.
I'm a preacher and I can't still in all my years of all my years as if all my years it's all relative but from the time of serving Jesus at the age of seven reading the scripture sitting under preaching studying the word of God doesn't matter how much I learn and how much I hear there's still a lot that goes on in this world that doesn't make sense to me God why do you let these things happen God I don't understand how this circumstance and one of those for me is a gentleman who I go to visit the nursing home and he had been getting sick for the last couple of years and sickness had just kept kept uh, getting worse and worse and to the point now where he has dementia and when I go into his room to visit him uh, a gentleman who's about 86 years old and um, has been serving the Lord uh, before his dementia we'd talk on the things of God and he just he loves the Lord if I said his name many be like oh I know that guy <laughs> solid man of God loves the Lord just last month was in to visit him and uh, we had gone to Carroll and had some uh, times to visit. But I, I went last month one day as I stopped in to visit him as I, as I do. And, and as he was laying in the bed, I walked in not knowing what to expect because oftentimes we go and we wouldn't have a conversation because it just wouldn't make sense. I'd stand there and interact with what he would say. And I would leave there some days saying, oh God, just let him go home. Just being honest, not in a, 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 any other prayer than, oh, God. He's... I walked into the room and a couple of weeks ago, and as I walked in, I, I heard him mumbling, nothing new. He says, would somebody cut this? I need someone to cut this. And I walked into the room, and I said his name. I said, hey, how you doing today? I need someone to cut this. And he's holding the end of his blanket and just having conversations. I said, well, I don't think we want to cut that. I said, how about we put this over you? I think it goes here. And I'm just talking, and I cover him up. And I, I think it goes right here. And then he starts talking about waiting on someone. And I have no idea who he's talking about. And then he starts talking about his wife, which I know she's passed away a while ago. And, and I'm just listening and, and just engaging in conversation, but just being there. And all the while in my mind, just saying, oh, God, be merciful. Oh, God. His mind's not in anywhere to have any conversation, and I, 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 just, I, I just bless him, and we're standing there talking. But as a result, I've gotten to know his next-door neighbor, the, the, his roommate, in the other bed. And I'm standing there talking. I always go over to greet him. And I had gone to see him a couple months ago, and, and earlier, a couple months earlier, and I walked in, and this gentleman was reading. I said, you like to read? He said, yeah. Now, mind you, this guy is 96 years old, sharp as a tack. His mind is sharp. 96 years old, he's reading War and Peace. He said, oh, I've read this a lot, but right now it's the only book I've got on me. I said, hey, have you ever read the Bible? No, can't say I have. I said, you mind if I bring you one? Sure. I brought him a Bible a number, another, number of months ago, and he had the, the Bible there, and I, I this, this recent time as I visited and and he wanted the, the gentleman on this side with dementia, wanted his, his bed sheet cut. And I covered him back up. And I go over to this guy, 96 years old, sharp as a tack. And I said to him, how you doing today? He said, oh, I'm doing all right. I said, you been reading much? He said, no, they took my books from me. Somebody took my book. I said, well, remember I gave you a Bible? He said, yeah. I said, have you had a chance to read that? He said, some. And then he said to me, he said, but I just can't understand why people from that long ago have anything to do with today. I don't know why anybody from that long ago matters today. And I began to talk to him, began to share about Jesus, and began to just speak of the difference that Jesus makes, that the only way to heaven is through Jesus. And he started saying something, like, and I just, you know how when you're talking to someone, you just feel the presence of God, and, and you just, I wish it could always feel like that. Some of you are like, oh, that must be, no, no, no. I wish it always, but it was one of those moments. And I'm sharing Jesus with him. And he says things like, oh, I never heard that before. I never looked at it that way. And we're talking. And I said something along the lines of this. And I can't remember what it was. But what happened after just took me back. 
I said to the gentleman, the 96-year-old, sharp as a tack, I said, Jesus is the only way to heaven. We can't work our way there. He's the only way that we can get there. And all of a sudden, from this side of the room, the 86-year-old man with dementia says, that's right, brother. He's the only way. There's no other way to get to heaven through Jesus. He's the only one. I turned around. I said, what? And I stood there and I said to God, I said, God, I don't understand why you let the stuff happen that you happen. Why is an 86-year-old man loving Jesus have dementia and a 96-year-old man who is who's agnostic or, or an atheist doesn't believe in Jesus, sharp as a tack. But that day, the man with dementia preached the gospel to the man who was sharp as a tack. And we stood there and had conversation. Here's what I believe. The Bible says he will keep your mind in perfect peace. He will keep you in perfect peace if your heart is steadfast on Him. It doesn't mean you won't get dementia at times. It doesn't mean the unthinkable, the unfathomable, the unfortunate won't happen in your life. It means whatever happens, He's holding you. He's the God of peace that when you speak His name, and I wish I could, or not wish, but I want you to know this. I had a funeral on Friday night right here in this sanctuary and had witnessed the same, this woman with dementia. There are three that I can, that I verify, I see it all the time. They have dementia in the homes. One just recently passed away. But every time I would say the name of Jesus and begin to pray, it was as if they came out of their dementia. Some of you are like, oh, that sounds weird. That sounds, I, I'm not at all trying to, 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 to make it over-spiritualized or anything. But when they're making no sentence, nothing is lining up. But the moment we start to pray and they say things like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for dying on, when they say those things, you can't at all step back and say, oh, he keeps my mind in perfect peace. He keeps my mind at perfect peace. You're here today. You can't do anything about the dementia that you're going through. You can't do anything about the stuff that you've got out of your control that you can't, you can't, you can't configure it, you can't fix it, you can't do anything about it. But what you can do today is fix your heart and your mind on Him. And He will bring you and keep you in peace. He'll keep you at peace. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, you're here today and you say, Jason, I need the peace of God in my life. If that's you, you say, I need the peace of God in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are in this, this moment before God. Is there anyone else? Yeah. Lord, I need your peace. I need your peace in my life. Father, worry has taken away the wonder. But Lord, I pray that your peace... Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.